this story in Mark and in our lives, there are times that Jesus just doesn't, he's not, ah, he's just not on the right wavelength. It's awkward. We talk to him about things, we ask him for things, and it just doesn't go right. As the text for today opens, Jesus is back in the village of Capernaum. He's been on a preaching and healing tour in other villages. And the people in that village of Capernaum have all gathered to hear him speak. We're not sure whose house he was in. Scholars debate that. But it's probably Peter's house. We're not sure, but it's probably Peter's house. And as Jesus is teaching, four guys bring their paralyzed friend so he can be healed. But they can't get to Jesus. You can imagine them trying to push through the crowd and they just can't make any progress. The people are packed in and they aren't going to back up. So they go up on the roof. And getting up on the roof probably was easy. People built roofs in those days to be more like patios. And often when it was hot at night, you'd go up there and you'd sleep so you'd get some breeze. So they had good solid beams and they had some cross hatching and they had some mud sort of stuff, and then they had thatch, and then they had kind of a pavement. So these were good solid roofs, and usually they had a staircase or a ladder going up there. So getting up on the roof is not the problem, but then they have to dig through the roof. So these guys get up on the roof, and they pull up the pavement. They have to rip out the thatch. They got to dig down through the mud and pull out all the cross thatching, and then either they have to lower this guy between two beams, or they have to hack through a beam. And something I've always wondered about with this story, but Mark just doesn't tell us, is what Jesus and everybody else in the house is thinking as these guys are up there beating on the roof and pulling it out and dirt is coming down. And I really wonder what, if this is Peter's house, what Peter was thinking. But the text doesn't tell us that. The text just tells us these guys are devoted to their demolition project. They are going to bring their friend to Jesus no matter what it takes. This man is paralyzed and he needs to be healed and Jesus can heal, so let's get him there. So they do it. They get their paralyzed man in front of Jesus, and then Jesus just doesn't get it. I mean, he just does not get it. He looks down at this paralyzed man. He probably looks up at the four faces peering through the hole in the roof. And then he says to this man, son, your sins are forgiven. Um, what? Jesus doesn't seem to be understanding what's expected here. He's supposed to touch the guy and say, get up and walk. And instead he says, your sins are forgiven. And you can imagine that guy laying there thinking, um, you know, it, it's great to be forgiven. That's, that's great. But that's not really what I'm here for. I have a much more serious need that I would like us to address. And you just aren't getting it. And you can imagine the men's friends on the roof thinking, what is wrong with you, Jesus? What, what are you thinking? We didn't bring him here to get forgiven. We brought him to get healed. What are you doing? You just don't get it. And sometimes we think that about hard situations in our lives, too. We bring things to God. We bring things to Jesus. And we don't seem to get the answers we think we should. We continue to struggle with chronic diseases. Those health problems that we had in past years continue to linger. Family members don't get the healing we think they should. We keep having to deal with depression or anxiety or fear or worry. We have friends and family members who are addicted to drugs and alcohol, and it seems like they kick the habit, and then they slide right back into it over and over and over again. And I can go on and on and on here, right? Life is hard. 
All of us have hard times in our lives, hard times in our friends' and family's lives. And God doesn't just look at us and fix it. And often there are not easy answers. We often feel like we've brought Jesus our needs and he just doesn't respond in the way we think he should. And I think at those points it's good to ask questions and to push a bit on God and say, what are you you doing? This doesn't make sense to me. What's going on? And you know, God, the scriptures, they don't give us an answer to why we suffer any particular thing. Often our specific suffering, we just don't get an answer to the why question. There are difficult things the Bible just doesn't totally explain. And part of the life of faith is trusting even when things are hard and don't totally make sense. But here's the thing. The Bible maybe doesn't tell us you experience suffering X for reason Y on timeline Z. But the scriptures do give us deep, deep resources for dealing with suffering. The scriptures give us real reason, real things that we can hold on to that give us hope instead of leaving us in despair. And often these are things that we can't just flip open the Bible, grab a comforting verse and run with it. We need to wrestle. We can't just play around on the shallow end. We need to dig deeper and try to understand what Jesus is up to. And so at the times in your life, as you, as you experience suffering, the times that you read the Bible, it just doesn't make sense. Those times that you feel like you're in front of Jesus and the answers you're getting just don't compute for you. Don't walk away. Don't just put Jesus in the rearview mirror. Don't roll your eyes. But keep listening. Keep watching for what God is up to. And we'll spend the rest of the sermon tonight thinking a bit about what Jesus is up to in this text. And we need to make the point right now that Jesus really does have the ability to heal. One question when we face suffering is whether God really is able to do what he's told us he can do. If God really has all power and all authority, and the answer is yes. Yes. Jesus really does have the ability and the authority and the power and everything he needs to make everything right. And in this story, when the time comes, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus says to the man, get up. Take your mat and go home. And like that, just like that, the man gets up and maybe you can picture him waving to his friends up there and saying, hey, I don't need a ride home, I'm good. And he walks home carrying his mat. He came to Jesus, a paralyzed man, and he walks away a man fully restored. The Gospel of Mark wants us to get this. The Gospel of Mark wants us to see that Jesus can heal anything. Now, the Bible isn't saying that every single paralyzed person will be healed. We all know that that's not how life works. But what it is showing us is that Jesus has the power to heal every sickness and deal with every evil. And as believers, we should be comforted by this. We should be comforted by the reality that we aren't serving some tiny deity. We aren't serving some God who just has to wring his hands and feel bad when we're suffering but can't do anything about it. Whatever emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, whatever troubles we experience, Jesus has the resources to handle them. 
And now let me pause for a moment and say that sometimes God provides resources for us through what we call ordinary or natural means. Sometimes we just need to go to the doctor or the surgeon. Sometimes we just need to take some pills. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we just need to go and find someone who can help us process some things and deal with some things in our lives. If, if we've got a particular addiction, sometimes we just need to get in a program and we just need to find people who are good at helping people get free of that. God provides a lot of ordinary means for us to find healing. But Jesus also has the ability to heal miraculously. And then along with that, he really does have the ability to forgive sins. The healing of this paralyzed man was a sign to the crowd that had gathered. It was a sign to the disciples. It was a sign to everybody. To everybody who was there that Jesus really did have the power to heal. And the power to forgive. And it's a sign for us too. It's a sign for us. If you're you're wrestling with whether God really is who the Bible says he is, if you're wrestling with whether God really does care about our problems, if you're wrestling with whether God's promises really work for you or if they just don't, well, this story is a sign. It's a sign to you. It's a sign to me that God has the power. God has the power to help us. God has the power to heal He's the only one who has that power, and he really does have it. Now let's kind of circle back to that first point. At the times that Jesus doesn't really get it, what's going on? And I think often, often but not always, what's going on is this, and this moves us to our third point for tonight. Jesus intends to bring us deeper healing. We have this presenting problem that we come to God with. We see this particular thing right in front of us. And sometimes it is a big, huge thing. And we ask Jesus, deal with this problem. But Jesus looks at us and he sees that this presenting problem is really just the tip of the iceberg. This thing that we want him to just fix so we can get on with our lives. Well, it's tied into all kinds of other things in our lives and in this world. And sure, he can fix this problem but it's not really going to be the solution that we want. He can give us the Band-Aid, but it's not really a Band-Aid that we need. A few years ago in one of my summer internships, I worked at Guiding Light Mission in Grand Rapids. It's a place for uh, homeless guys, and they do some rehab, and we have a drug program there. And I worked in an office with maybe eight or ten regular employees there. And one day, my supervisor, this guy called Jeff, came into work, and he looked awful. I mean, just awful. His eyes were all red and bloodshot, and he looked like a zombie. And he said somehow he'd managed to spray a chemical in his eyes that morning, and he'd wash it out, and he'd bought some eye drops on the way to work, and he was just going to tough through it. But he looked awful. So he sat at his desk, and he typed away for a while, and he started fiddling with his computer screen and trying to change stuff up and cleaning his glasses. And finally he got up, and he went to the bathroom with his eye drops, and he came back like 20 minutes later, and he was all wet, and he had the eye drops in, and he tried to sit down and work, and he kept fiddling with his computer, and it just wasn't working. And he did this maybe for an hour or so, and the rest of us were kind of, kind of starting to nudge each other. This isn't, this isn't good. This isn't working. And finally, Bob, who was kind of a big guy and a pretty direct, loud person, said, Hey, Jeff, hey, you've got a problem. 
You've got a problem. Now, if my arm was hanging off, I might just push through it. But this is your eyes, man. You, you, you got to deal with this. You got to go to the hospital. You got to get professionals involved. We got to get you to a doctor. And Jeff tried to put it off. He said, no, no, I'm fine. I just need more eye drops. I'll, I'll push. I'll be okay. And Bob said, no, you are not okay. You are in denial. And if you have more trouble with your eyes, I'm going to end up doing your job for the rest of the week. So you are getting out of here. And you are going to the emergency room. And you are going now or I am going to drag you. Bob was uh, not very subtle. He, he usually liked to be pretty clear with people. So finally he convinced Jeff to go to the emergency room and they had this eye soaking thing. He said he was there for hours and hours and hours as they rinsed his eyes and rinsed his eyes. It probably wasn't hours and hours and hours, but it felt like it. And rinsed his eyes and rinsed his eyes and rinsed his eyes and rinsed his eyes to get the chemical out. And then after they had had him there for a long time, they sent him home with a couple prescription eye drops, told him to come back in a while and told him, A, don't spray chemicals in your eye. Good advice for everybody. And B, don't be stubborn. Next time, get in here and get the help you need. Now, way too often, we think we're okay. We think we just have a little problem. We think it's something that we need a little help with or we can kind of push through and deal with it. And usually, that's not true. So often, we come to Jesus and we say, just give me a little boost. Just, just get me through this, this next thing. Just give me a little help. And we don't need a little help. We need to be transformed. We need to be washed more deeply than we can manage on our own. We need to be healed more deeply than we understand. I think the second story of healing that we read for tonight gives us, well, shows us what Jesus is up to. And at first, you might not think this was actually a story of healing, but I think, I think we have to say it is. And this is the story of Levi, the tax collector. It's the second story that we read for tonight. And of course, everybody today and then, everybody hates tax collectors, right? Back then was even worse than today, but we still don't like them. Back then, though, these were, these were traitors. They were sellouts. They were unclean outcasts from society. These were people who were not allowed to testify in law courts. They weren't allowed to be part of legal proceedings. They weren't allowed to even enter synagogues where Jewish people worshipped. Their very presence could make a place unclean. They were the undesirables of the community. So in other words, Levi is an unclean man. Last week, one of the stories we read was about a leper, an unclean man, a man who had been chased out of society, who wasn't allowed to be in polite company or any kind of company at all because he was unclean. He didn't belong. Levi's situation is a little bit different, but he too is unclean. He too doesn't belong. And Jesus comes to him and he doesn't get after him about, you know, you need to be a more ethical tax collector. You need to change your life up a bit. Jesus goes and he says to Levi, follow me. Follow me. And what Jesus is doing is inviting Levi to total transformation. When Levi gets up and walks away, he is walking away from his work, from his vocation, from an awful lot of things about his life. Jesus goes right to the heart level and he addresses it. And in this text, he's even, to deliver, he's even able to deliver this terrible, unclean man from the worst possible situation. 
Now, if we circle back to that first healing we saw in Mark chapter 2, we see that Jesus' power is enough to raise anybody and everybody. Enough to deal with any and every condition. We often glide over that question that Jesus asked in verse 9. And he asked the teachers of the law, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Let me read that again, and let me ask you to really reflect, which is easier? Is it easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Now, that's actually a hard question. It is really, really hard to heal a paralyzed man. And it's really, really hard to forgive sins, too. Only God can do that. But at the point that Jesus is asking this question, he's looking at the teachers of the law. And these people are muttering and mumbling about how only God has authority to forgive sins. And what does this man think he's doing? And what's going on here? And mutter, mutter, mumble, mumble, mumble. And Jesus knows what they're thinking. And then he challenges them with this question. And catch this. We know that Jesus has the authority to heal and to forgive. But Jesus also knows, as he's looking at these teachers of the law, that if he forgives and heals this man in front of him, if he at that moment gives evidence that he has this kind of power, he is putting himself on a trajectory where those teachers of the law are going to have him killed. Jesus forgiving and healing this man, you could say, is one of the first steps on the road to the cross. And that's true on the one hand because it puts a gulf between him and the teachers of the law. These are people with power and authority and prestige. They're the gatekeepers of the religion in that time. And Jesus is giving them a message that he's God. That he's greater than they are. And they're not going to take kindly to that. They know what to do with people with that kind of complex. And what they do is they kill them. So if Jesus forgives and heals... He's signing his own death warrant. Now, in one way, that's true because of the human level of interaction between Jesus and those teachers of the law. But there's a much deeper level here. Jesus knows that the man in front of him needs healing. And he knows that the man in front of him needs forgiveness. Someone's got to pay. This man, just like all of us, has done wrong. And he owes God an infinite debt And Jesus knows that someone's got to pay. And so when Jesus says to that man, your sins are forgiven, he's not making just an empty throwaway statement. What he's saying is, I will pay your debt. Jesus is saying, I will suffer and I will die for you. Jesus is saying that he will give his own life to heal and to forgive this man in front of him. Now, the paralyzed man didn't know all that. He just came to Jesus because he wanted to be able to walk. He expected Jesus to heal him, and then he'd get up and walk out of there, and he'd say, thank you, and it'd be great, and that'd be it. But Jesus intends to give him much, much more than that. Yes, Jesus will heal him, but Jesus isn't just going to heal him physically. As important and as real as that is, Jesus is going to heal this man spiritually. Jesus has the power to give this man what he's looking for, but Jesus also has the ability to give this man what he needs. 
So often what we're looking for isn't enough. So often we want something, and even if we get that thing, it's not going to be enough. It may be a good thing, but it's not going to be enough. We don't realize how really sick we are. At the end of our text for today, Jesus tells the teachers of the law, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come not to call righteous, but sinners. But the truth of the matter is that we're all sick. The truth of the matter is that we are, none of us, righteous. Jesus has come to address desperate situations, and all of us, every single one of us, are in desperate situations. When we look at this text, we can see ourselves in the paralyzed man, and we can see ourselves in Levi. We are people desperately in need of deliverance, And until Jesus comes along, I'm not sure we always recognize what our real needs are. But Jesus comes to forgive and to heal. And now, as I've said before, and I'm sure I'll say here again, that doesn't mean that we always get healing right away. We're sometimes left just wondering what God is up to. It's hard to understand sometimes why we ask God for this, and it seems like he's on a different wavelength. But let these stories be an encouragement to you that God really does have the power to heal. And let it also be an encouragement to you that sometimes when we're just asking for a quick patch job so we can get on our way, that Jesus is setting out to totally renew and restore us. When we come to Jesus in our need, he heals us more deeply than we could ever expect, more deeply than we would dare to ask for. So if you've got trouble in your life, If you've got family members or friends who've got trouble in their lives, go to Jesus. Jesus is the doctor we really need. And Jesus brings us the deep, deep healing that all of us stand in need of. Amen. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Lord, we ask tonight that you encourage us. For those of us who face difficult situations and have hard questions about what you're up to, give us your comfort and your grace. Lord, we do pray for healing in the midst of the troubles we experience. We pray for deliverance from physical and emotional and mental and spiritual afflictions. And we ask that you make your hand obvious in our lives and help us to see how you were at work. But Lord, we also recognize that you are the great physician. We recognize that we don't always understand what we really need. And Lord, we pray that you you cure us. That you give us what we need. That you make us right. That you restore us. That you renew us. And Lord, we ask that you help us to see how you're at work. Help us to see how you've already been at work in us to bring us to you how you've already been at work at us to change our hearts, to to begin to heal us. Lord, we pray that you give us signs and markers that you are at work in this world and in our lives so that we can keep walking with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In response to God's word, let's stand and praise the Lord for what he has done on our behalf.
Go with this blessing tonight, and you can all hear me now. May the God who made heaven and earth, whom death could not contain, and who brings us true healing, may he give you power to go forth and to proclaim and to live in the good news of Jesus Christ, who suffered, died, and rose again to save us. Go in peace. Thank you.